Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. So it is a pretty important week for the golf and tennis teams. To sum up, they, except for one, probably all have to win their conference tournaments to continue their seasons. I'd say it's a pretty important week. The exception is the one that begins first, and that is today with women's golf hosting the AAC tournament in Brooksville at the Southern Hills Club, a very hilly club that I'll be heading up to actually later on today to peep a little bit. Now, why do we say the women might not have to win? First of all, they are right on the NCAA tournament bubble. They are ranked 57th in the country, and generally speaking, the last teams that get selected for the field are in the mid-50s, and sometimes if you're seeing a situation where there's no upsets in any of the conference tournaments, for example, you could even get in with the ranking of around 60, and again, the Bulls are 57. So if they don't win the tournament, but say they finish second, third, maybe, fourth, probably not, but there's opportunities to up your ranking because of who is ahead of you in this field, namely the two teams that got to tee off first Monday morning at 8 o'clock because of their rankings, 20th-ranked UCF and number 21 SMU. Tulsa is 34th and Houston is 39th. Yeah, there are four top 40 teams in the AAC. That's why this conference event is so important. Might be tough to win, but if you can finish, especially second, but like I said, maybe third ahead of a couple of those teams, maybe three of them, then I think you are getting your first at-large appearance in the NCAA tournament in 16 years. The last time the Bulls, as a team, made it to the NCAAs was back in 2012 when they won the Big East. So this would really be a substantial achievement for Erica Brennan's team. Led by Melanie Green, of course, she's going to be an all-conference performer. She is number one in the lineup, so to speak. Elise Vidal, followed by Leonor Banderos, Lauren Heinlein, and Juliana Camargo. MG and Vidal, both last year, Vidal with Kennesaw State, made the NCAA tournament as individuals. They were selections that way. Incidentally, if you win the individual conference championship and your team does not make the NCAA tournament, then you automatically get in as an individual. Of course, I know that Green and everybody on the team want the whole roster to advance. They were set to tee off at 9.30 on Monday morning, and you can follow along at USFWGolf. That's the Twitter page, at USFWGolf for updates. And then we'll let you know how they do on tomorrow's show. The men's team of Steve Bradley is starting later on this week. And once we draw closer to the conference tournament for the men's side, of course, we'll give you the full outlook there. Tennis begins later on in the week, and we'll get there in a second. But let's get to baseball now. And the Bulls do drop two of three. They enter the weekend, of course, tied with East Carolina and Houston. We can't be surprised that East Carolina swept Cincinnati. And, oh, incidentally, East Carolina, incredible stat put out by their Twitter account on Monday morning was the only top 25 team that didn't lose a game last week. Now, it kind of makes sense because top 25 teams generally are in power conferences and they're all in conference play and it's never easy to sweep a series. But yeah, the Pirates are in first place, which is probably where they'll finish. However, the baseball team, had it won its series, could have stayed in second place instead as a game out after dropping two of three. And usually this happens, right? You have two blowouts, one for each team, and whoever wins the close game is going to end up taking the series, and the close game was Friday night. And the Bulls had every chance to blow it open early, couldn't do it. We told you that Houston's pitching was just kind of average, and their hitting was what was carrying them. Well, it turned out to be the case. The Bulls did not have an issue with any of the three Houston starting pitchers on Friday, they had an issue with their middle reliever, Owen Woodward, a junior college transfer, had been solid, nothing spectacular. Well, 
he was against the Bulls, went five innings to really quiet the bats after the Bulls, again, had started off early with three runs in the top of the first inning. Daniel Cantu singled Eric Snow walk, had a wild pitch in there, and then Raphael Betancourt sliced a two-run double for the lead. They'd later add a fielder's choice for three to nothing, and then Boogie Brown strikes out the side in the bottom of the first, and then the Bulls load the bases with one out. So this is going to be an easy win, but they strike out and ground out. Houston ties it up in the bottom of the second. Brown could not hold on to the lead, and Houston obviously had the momentum. And even though the Bulls took the lead with a run in the third inning and chased the starting pitcher, here comes Woodward to slow them down, and here come the Cougars with three runs in the bottom of the third, a go-ahead two-run double, and it was 6-4. to four. That's the way the score stayed until Drew Brutcher's home run in the eighth inning. Oh, Drew Brutcher wasn't done hitting homers, but the Bulls lose it 6-5. to five. Brown just went four innings again. The strikeout-to-walk ratio for him is incredible. Seven Ks to one walk, and Justin Jackson, two and two-thirds scoreless innings, and then Nolan Hootie and Tanner Mink finished it off. Well, Hunter Mink has been solid for the Bulls, and he's gotten a winning decision or losing decision every time out. And three quality starts, well, that came to an abrupt end. After he gave up two in the first, it was Brutcher again and Bobby Bozer both homering, and we're tied at two, only for Houston to just swiftly pick up five runs. Tie-breaking two-run single at Malachi Lott. That's their leadoff guy. And then Zach Arnold, a three-run homer. Mink gives up 10 runs. I mean, the Bulls on paper had the pitching matchup. Malachi Lott, who again is their leadoff hitter, is a guy that's expected to give them three or maybe four innings and give up three or four or five runs, and that's exactly what happened. The offense went as you would have scripted it in this game for the Bulls with 10 runs, but when you give up 16, you're going to lose most games. The Bulls got seven of their 10 in the final three innings, though, after it was well decided. However, got to mention, not just Brutcher and Bozer with the home runs, and Brutcher was walked three times. Houston was being very careful with him. Daniel Cantu added a home run for his record ninth homer that leads the team well the offense kept it going on sunday and the pitching was way better well done jack siebert who had a chance at a complete game would have been run rule aided but doesn't matter you're going up against a team that scored 10 off your starter the previous day in 16 runs and you hold them to just two you are getting it done and jack siebert has done that on several occasions this year he goes to three and one on the season the bulls win it 13 to two Houston scored a very annoying run there in the eighth inning because, again, it would have been a run rule situation as it was 11-1, to and the Bulls answer back with two more on a couple of bases-loaded hit-by-pitches situations in the ninth, but they were doing plenty of actual hitting the ball in this game right from the very beginning. Brutcher, who moved from the seventh slot where he was placed last week after some struggles all the way up to the number one spot, actually let off the game by striking out. But Bozer blasts a home run to make it 2 to nothing. Joaquin Monquet answers with another home run in the second inning. And, man, that was all that Jack Siebert needed. But the Bulls put up four more in the fifth inning. Brutcher again, leadoff walk. Eric Snow a double. Danny doubles. Daniel Cantu brings in two with a double the other way. And it's 6 to nothing. Then later, Joaquin Monquet, who had a career day, driving in runs. A two-run single for 8 to nothing. Bulls would grab... Another run in the next inning on Brutcher's blast of a 450-foot home run. He homered in all three games in the series, reaching base a bunch of times in this game. Monquet with the four RBI, Cantu and Boza with three each. 
And again, Brutcher, very, very good to see him in form. Siebert goes seven in a third innings, five strikeouts. In a strange way, Riley Skeen, your closer, pitching in a 13-2 game seems weird, but, you know, he hadn't pitched yet on the weekend, and you're trying to actually, as it turned out, save the run rule situation. They let Skeen finish it up, and the Bulls get a feel-good win to come home with. Cantu has reached base safely in 19 games in a row. Again, that ninth homer of the season on Saturday is his career high, and now at 36 RBI already has matched his career high. On his 10-game hitting streak, Brutcher has eight extra base hits. For the week, he was 8 for 12 with three homers, two doubles, and seven RBI, while Bozer was 7 for 18 with five homers and eight RBI. Both of those guys will probably be on the weekly honor roll for the conference. Normally would be player of the week material, but I'm guessing that might be difficult when you only actually win one conference game. But speaking of winning, I mean, Jack Siebert wins his only game. He could be pitcher of the week. We'll find out later on on Monday. Also, as far as the conference goes, of course, East Carolina with the sweep. Then Houston is alone in second place. Bulls are tied with Wichita game behind. If you can take care of business against UCF this weekend, I'm saying win all but two of your remaining series. Hopefully grab a game from East Carolina. Hey, if you beat the Pirates in a series, wonderful, but you can't expect it. And then, as I say, win all but one of the other remaining series. The Bulls, for certain, will be finishing in that second or third spot, and that's where we've been kind of pinpointing where they want to end up, and right now they are tied for third with Wichita, who they'll play towards the end of the regular season. But there's a lot happening between now and then. In fact, three conference series, the next two, both at home. So the Bulls have really got to handle matters, not just to stay where they want to be in the standings, but maybe get back towards 500. They are 16-21 and 21 right now, and they play at UNF tomorrow. I'm just interested to see and hope that both Brutcher and Bozer and Siebert are all on it. That's going to be tough because you got only seven conference spots, and to, again, give three of them to a team that went one and two in conference play. The win earlier in the week was against Bethune-Cookman, obviously non-league, is a tricky decision for the league, but at least two Bulls, I have to say, will be on the weekly honors. But yeah, definitely want to see what Vivian Pond gets as far as possible player of the week in softball for her one day of work in that amazing doubleheader against Stetson. So we'll report back to you on tomorrow's show about that. I mentioned something interesting when it came to softball and the standings. Basically have to recalibrate my outlook as far as the team goes because we've been saying all along, and I think I've been right in saying that the whole concept is to finish second or third, and really doesn't matter if you're second or third, just avoid the 4-5 spot, which means avoiding Wichita in the conference tournament. Well, Wichita just got beat by Houston almost twice this weekend. The Cougars took them to extras, 10 innings, and then on Sunday shut them out in Wichita 4 to nothing. So all of a sudden, two things. First of all, we've been saying, you know, this series this weekend, USF at UCF will determine probably the number two seed. That's probably still true, but whoever loses it still has to play Houston down the road, and the Cougars, because they took one from Wichita, are definitely in the running for a top three finish. And then the other part of it is, hey, whoever falls out of that and ends up as a four seed, Wichita has at least proven gettable this year. And remember, whoever the Bulls get in the AAC tournament, they'll be getting them at home in about a month from now. But with that win by Houston, one win at Wichita, and with the one loss by UCF to Tulsa, it is actually right now a three-way tie for second with the Bulls, the Knights, and the Cougars all at 6-3. and We said we stopped by the tennis courts on Saturday afternoon, and it was a scorcher. And again, the Bulls 
we have to really measure this, and I guess we'll find out in a couple of days how true I am in saying this, but we'll have to measure the fact that the Bulls lost their last two matches against the fact that they didn't have their number two player, Grace Schumacher, because she was unable to suit up due to injury on Saturday, and the Bulls lost. And really, you could just see the impact when you lose your number two player. You know, everyone else has to move up a court, and Memphis really took advantage on the bottom courts. First of all, Laura Pelissé and Margaret Timmermans were both honored as part of Senior Day, and the Bulls got off to a roaring start because they won the doubles point. It went down to two tiebreakers in doubles, and the Bulls won them both. Pelissé and Ireland Semi at number two, and then Sierra Berry and Kleena Walsh at number three doubles. So the Bulls were in the lead, but Memphis quickly showed that it wasn't going to be swayed in any way, winning five first sets in singles. And the only one that the Bulls took was in a tiebreaker with Barry at the number one spot. And really, Memphis won easily on the three and the six courts. So you had four other matches going, and the Bulls were at least competitive in, and they were going to have to win three of them. And it didn't happen. Lara Pelissé lost a tight second set, and so you had three matches left, and the Bulls had to turn them all around now. The freshman, Ireland Simi, who lost her first set 6-1, to was in a deciding point. When it gets to 40-all, there's no deuce. It's just whoever wins the point wins the game. It's why college tennis gets those flash points a little bit more than the professional game. So while that was happening on the number 5 court, Walsh had actually broken to go ahead 4-2. She had lost her first set in a tiebreaker. And, of course, Barry had won her first set, though she was down in the second. So if Simi wins that deciding point, it's 5-all, and who knows? Still, the Bulls would have had to finish off all three of those matches. And when Memphis's Emily Meyer took that point against Simi, it was over. The day was done. With the win, Memphis launched into the number six spot, likely for the conference tournament, which would mean... These teams would play again in the quarterfinals. That's going to wrap up this Erringables beat Derek Sharp.